Welcome back to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your... I can't even come up with anything clever. I'm just your host, Javi. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this week we're talking about Batman Forever. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll forever be your disgruntled host, Javi, I guess. <laughs> oh my uh, god! Alright, so this is our first time doing a Batman movie in almost a year, so... I mean, yeah. hey, that's and we good had on to us. pick this one. <laughs> well, good on us because it's. I feel like you know, like I said, like a lot of our friends who knew us, you know, before we started this podcast and know me in particular, are like, oh, well, it's just going to be Angel reviewing Batman movies, and it's like, well, no, not all of them at once, <laughs> at least. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone out of our way to avoid that, and Angel like has been fueled by spite for this past year and not to. But now it makes it harder because he well, now when he when he gets all all like hard for Batman movies, it's even more insufferable. I would have preferred if we just did one series and got your load out all at once. But we should. I mean, nah, we're still no. we're still not at our like five hour Dark Knight episode that's gonna um, happen. Shut up! No, it's <laughs> not. Like I'm gonna hate the Dark Knight by the end of that series. <laughs> the same way I've learned. The same way I've learned to hate all of uh what's it called james bond what was your experience with batman forever i mean you can take <laughs> us through pretty much you you have a weird fascination with joel schumacher so why don't you take us through kind of like the behind the scenes for this movie too uh fascination as in i've seen some movies that he's done <laughs> i don't know what you want me to say here um my experience with this movie is that this is the first Batman movie I saw in theaters. Growing up, I think I mentioned it when we did our 89 uh, episode last year. I used to rotate Batman 89 and Batman Returns like over and over and over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> they were both movies that I really loved as a kid. And I was pretty excited when I knew that there was another Batman movie coming out. <clears throat> Except I always thought it was kind of weird that it wasn't going to be Michael Keaton anymore because Michael Keaton just was Batman to me. I definitely noticed that I was like, yeah, like this Batman looks a whole lot younger than the one from the other movies, but whatever. This Batman looks a whole lot thicker and blonde. (laughs) This time we're going to get Robin too. So after Batman 89, uh, in 1992, Tim Burton releases uh, Batman Returns, which is the sequel to his 89 Batman movie. But essentially what Tim Burton did is he ended up going in a radically different direction with this second Batman movie in that it felt much more like Edward Scissorhands or Nightmare Before Christmas. Like it was aesthetic with just Batman in it. Yeah, it was the very cartoonish Tim Burton that we've come to associate where there's dead trees and Helena Bonham Carter. Even though she wasn't quite in this, but yes, it's like all the hallmarks of later... uh, Tim Burton were present in that movie. And part of the reason why is because Tim Burton's just not that interested in Batman. Uh, He was interested in doing the first one, but I think he since he has since uh, referred to Batman 89 as kind of boring. (laughs) Yeah. And I know a lot of the nerds are pretty mad about that because there's a lot of people that love Batman 89, including you and me by proxy. Yeah. But I also really love Batman returns and, even though it's it's barely a Batman movie at all, like it's it's more of just a Tim Burton movie with with Batman, Batman characters. characters in it. Uh, I definitely loved that movie and still have fond memories of it to this day. 
But And the script for Batman Returns was written by a guy named Daniel Waters, who was most famous for the movie Heathers. Yes, uh, yes. Which yes, I yes. have recently watched thanks to The Last Drive-In on Shudder. <laughs> I've been enjoying Shudder a lot these last couple months. No, but when I watched Heathers recently, I was like, yeah, was like, it makes sense that this guy who does this like dark comedy on teen suicide and murder <laughs> actually ends up doing a Tim Burton movie because it felt very much like a dark Tim Burton kind of like high school film. And after Batman Returns came out, I think McDonald's was the main one that basically just said, we can't fucking market any of these toys because uh, you have like a penguin guy who's like spitting green bile everywhere. And, and he's people's biting noses. people's noses. <laughs> and they thought Catwoman was way over-sexualized, which it's hard to disagree with that. What? Uh, no, she wasn't. <laughs> she wasn't sexy enough. Despite all of that, after Batman Returns came out, Warner Brothers was still going to have Tim Burton come back and do a third Batman movie. His Batman 3, I shit you not, was uh, apparently going to be called Batman Continues. That's like the laziest naming convention ever. <laughs> Literally said like the worst title ever. And It's like he, he blew his load with Returns and was like, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> What's a synonym for Returns? <laughs> And he so in that film, you know, he was bringing Michael Keaton back. Uh, apparently, Michelle Pfeiffer would have come back for some sort of bit part or cameo that was supposed to set up her Catwoman spinoff movie. Um, they wanted to bring in uh, Robin Williams as the Riddler, which I think we talked about in our Batman Nine episode, and they and they also wanted to bring Billy D. Williams back uh, to play Two Face, which. So Riddler and Two-Face end up being the villains in this film anyway. But and that's I, about all the connection these two movies have. Yeah, because even the, the other wrinkle from, from the Tim Burton version is that he also wanted to bring in Brad Dourif as the Scarecrow in a bit part. So it would have been a movie that would have had like four villains. <laughs> like, wait, just to introduce him or to actually like... Well, I mean, ultimately was the goal of... Uh, Batman re- resurrected. Oh, oh, I forgot what it's. What'd you call it? Oh, continues. continues. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the worst one in every franchise is always called resurrected. So when Batman <laughs> resurrected, like, was the plan to create like an, a shared like extended Gotham universe or what? Yeah, that's that's the funny thing to think about is that like in some ways it would have been it would have been their superhero universe because Catwoman was set to come out afterwards, right? Essentially, Warner Brothers was just like, yeah, we're not that interested in it. It sounds like what you want to do is even darker than <laughs> than what you did with Returned, and we want to be able to make this a lot more commercial. <clears throat> Which, in my opinion, it's not a that's not a bad instinct. I think that's fair for. Uh, for the studio to want something like that because the 89 Batman movie was a giant summer juggernaut Mm -hmm. kind of movie. And they just wanted to go to some, they wanted to return to something like that. That was going to be this big pop culture touchstone. And Uh, I don't think they ended up doing that, but they definitely tried hard to do it. They uh, end up, I think the only thing that's a little awkward about this movie is, I'm not Besides say everything? 
Well, I'm not going to say that Joel Schumacher is racist, but somebody who was in production of this film or some producer in this film, they made some funky choices, right? Because the two of the people who are recast from the Tim Burton version of this were Billy D. Williams and the original Robin, who was supposed to be Marlon Wayans. So it's definitely a little awkward that, like, here comes Tim Burton with his dark, actually very progressive Batman take where he was going to, where he was going to recast two of the, you know, well known in Canon Batman characters and turn them into black characters. Uh, but you know, Joel Schumacher came back or I don't even think it's a Joel Schumacher thing. I really kind of think it's a studio thing where they just wanted to, all right, well, if Tim Burton's not going to come back, then we want to do something that looks more quote unquote traditional. That has to be it. Because uh, they paid out, they paid out contracts for Billy D and Marlon Wayans to the point where Marlon Wayans actually still gets uh, some Batman sort of Forever residual. Money? Yeah, he still gets residual Batman Forever money from them. Hey, that's <laughs> all you can ask for, man. <laughs> yeah. Personally, I would have loved to see Marlon Wayans as uh, Robin. Mm. And I- I mean, it is goes without saying that we love Billy D. Williams on this show. Yeah, so I would have loved to see both of those guys, but I don't know, like, because like you said, I don't think it was. It's one of those overt things. I'm definitely not reading into it and being like and speaking ill of Joel Schumacher and being like, oh, he hates. No, and I he wouldn't. hated and the original castings, you know. No, I would not, and I and I will also use this podcast to say I think Joel Schumacher. I think. Any criticism that he gets for Batman and Robin is highly warranted. I don't think that he deserves all the blame for what ha- for what is happening here because I do think my understanding is that at least to a point, uh Joel Schumacher did have interest in in doing like a Batman origin kind of a little bit darker closer to year 1. This movie was cut in like I mean they 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 made changes to the film after it was created. Mm-hmm. Because the studio wanted to, it, like, first of all, the original film, the original cut of this. There's film, a hundred and seventy minute cut somewhere, right? Like, we yeah. can find that. <laughs> like the like the original cut of this film had the beginning of it uh, actually starting inside of Arkham Asylum, uh, where Two Face has escaped, and then uh, like you know, like they had the scene of Batman confronting like the giant bat inside the Batcave. Uh, like we'll talk about it. Like I'll talk about some of the differences between the two cuts, but uh, yeah, it's definitely, there was some darker stuff that I think Joel Schumacher did want in there that just didn't make it in. I'll put it this way. I, Joel Schumacher is, is largely going to be remembered. May he rest in peace because he did pass away last week. And that's part of the reason why, like, you know, that, and that's why we picked this one. Well, that, and then also the fact that Batman forever turns 25 this year, um, we figured it'd be good to go back in time and, and just see, you know, a Batman movie from the mid nineties. But, uh, I, I, there's movies that he, that Schumacher has made that I really like. And two of them are, you know, St. Elmo's fire, which was a very, you know, it was like the Brat Pack, like actors, two or three of the cast from, um, from, uh, you know, breakfast club, a ton of people from these different John Hughes films. Also, Lost Boys, which I freaking love that movie. Uh, to this day, it's really one of my favorite. Uh, like, it just it, it it's it's a favorite of mine. Um, the with Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Haim, Corey uh, 
Feldman, uh, Jason Patrick. It's just I like all the characters in it. And funny enough, I think I think Joel Schumacher he makes he makes Dick Grayson look like a lost boy in this movie. Yes, <laughs> he's sure the fuck does. But pretty much my experience with Batman Forever is what movie came out in '95. I was like four years old. Yeah, same thing. I remember going to watch this movie uh, in the movie theater. I remember seeing the music videos for Kiss from a Rose yeah. <laughs> with Seal. Uh, this movie has uh, has given me one of my favorite memories, even though it had nothing to do with us actually watching the movie. But it was WrestleMania weekend when you and I went with your wife and you got drunk and started serenading your wife with Kiss, Kiss from a Rose. And she was just so dumb with our drunk asses that weekend. So the main plot starts out with Batman showing up to a hostage situation at the Bank of Gotham. I believe it's the Bank of Gotham. The second Bank of Gotham. Oh, my bad. Bloody fucking dog. My bad, capitalist scum. So pretty much this is like the world's showiest hostage situation at the second bank of gotham let's be all right well i kind of want to start with this because this movie tells you what it's about pretty pretty instantly right from the fucking start (laughs) you start with like the suit up uh scene and batman grabbing all of his wonderful toys and showing his cheeks (laughs) and when he walks over to the batmobile like you get the joke from oh i forgot about that (laughs) shitty joke oh and it pissed me off i'll get drive-through joke (laughs) i was like when has batman been funny (laughs) yeah it's it's and you know this is it like what what do we i guess let's go with our first thoughts like what do we think of val kilmer as batman right away okay so the first thing they they have that interaction. I'm just like, okay, they yeah they've had, I'm like they they've had some joking interactions between Alfred and 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 uh, Bruce Wayne before, but when he said like right off the bat when he says I'll just get drive through, I'm just like, oh my god, he's a big fucking doof. <laughs> like, he's trying like Val Kilmer. Like he honestly he has the look. He has, I mean, he's the first blonde Bruce Wayne I think I've ever seen. Unfortunately, he doesn't have much of the look anymore, but in the mid-90s, he sure did. And this was a pretty big year. This was a massive year for him because I think this, I don't know if it's before or after, but the very same year, he does Heat, which is is so bizarre. Like, you know, you, you do Batman and, you know, and then... Then, like, you're just like, oh, this is going to be, like, a brand new star, like, coming out of this year. And then he never really made anything out of that. I think uh, he I think he had a reputation, like, kind of like Edward Norton, of, like, not being great on set. So his career just kind of dwindled away. And, and now he's, like, you know, you, you probably have seen him on TV once or twice. But it's – unfortunately, he just he, – he is not Batman anymore. <laughs> yeah, he did a couple, like <clears> – like, I don't know, cash grab movies, like just movies that were, you can tell they were just kind of paychecks mm-hmm. um, in the mid aughts. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been able to kind of recover and do stuff. But at the time when I first saw him in this movie, like I was like, yeah, he looks like, he looks like Batman. But then again, when I also saw this movie when I was like five. <laughs> so my, my bar for Batman was very low, but now that I'm watching it, I'm like, 
he's just a big fucking doof. Like, he's just trying to make these jokes. He's trying to crack wise like he's Spider-Man. And I'm just like, no, no, please, for the love of Christ, no. I'll say that as a five-year-old, I thought that I really liked the fact that this movie started with, like, an action scene right away. You get the... <laughs> and Okay, so when I watched it as a kid, I loved everything about it. So now I'm talking about perfect movie. I'm talking about myself watching it as an adult now, and I, oh yeah, you know, like I going into this episode of this show, I was like, yeah, I can't wait to watch this again because you know, I was like, I feel like this movie gets a bad rap and people like lump it in with Batman and Robin, and I still say that I don't think it's it's as bad as Batman and Robin, but holy shit, this movie is a whole lot worse. That I remember. <laughs> you came in here trying to defend this movie and immediately <laughs> were like, fuck, what am I done? It's like, so so the opening scene, you get the introduction of Tommy Lee Jones' Two-Face, who, fuck, all his Two-Face does is, like, cackle and, like, <laughs> and, and say, like, villain lines and... He's got this security guard that he's like, you know, flipping his coin to and and asks him some sort of, you know, some sort of riddle or something. And well, pretty much, he's giving him the rules, right? That if yeah. he, if the the coin decides his fate, which then... bullshit. But okay, <laughs> so let's assume I... that that is that that is what he's doing. So he's like, oh, well, looks like you get a, you know, you had, you had, you get luck today. Luck was on your side, I think is the line he says. And then he tells the goons that are all dressed like luchadors. (laughs) And he's enough of a master criminal that they had to bring in a psychiatrist from another town who is is Chase Meridian, who's played by Nicole Kidman. stupidly named Chase Meridian, who I'm like, are they trying to name a fucking Bond girl? (laughs) It's pretty bad. This is the first movie I'd ever seen Nicole Kidman in, for sure. I will say that as a young male, I definitely had a thing for Nicole Kidman specifically in this movie. I saw her in lots of movies after that, and I was just like, yeah, whatever. Well, yeah, it's in this movie, (laughs) the moment she sees Batman, you just see a river run from her panties the rest of the movie. She, her, her character arc is just that she is horny for Batman. <laughs> they were like, I like to think at a production meeting, they were like, what's your character's motivation? Sex. <laughs> you know, to, and the funny thing too is like, I mean, if you, if you watch anything that Nicole Kidman has done since, it's like a lot of the stuff that she does is Oscar fair. And a lot of this like, you know, more pretentious high art, kind of film so the fact that you see her as like the girlfriend in a batman movie and it's just the fact that that her character exists for nothing else than to thirst over batman like (laughs) i don't know why she would agree to something like this it's freaking wild the moment that her and batman are on scene they like forget they're at a crime scene and they immediately start throwing sexual innuendos at each other (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and like I'm just like this must be super uncomfortable for Commissioner Gordon. It visibly <laughs> annoys him right away too. So you know, I'm just like this is highly unprofessional. You're both you're a crime fighter and you are 
you're a psychiatrist who's supposed to, for some reason, like analyze someone taking hostages at like in real time. Who is not needed, by the way, because Batman has figured everything out about Two Face. So anyway, whatever, whatever. Let's let's get into it. Hey, shut up! No, you shut up. Let's talk about how he just like offhandedly talks about all like her entire body of work. Then why is she even there if you already know everything? Yeah, like, this character has no reason to exist. But whatever. Uh, we go into Batman trying to rescue the security guard that is, like, being thrown into a safe. And well, the safe first of is... all, <laughs> this... why the fuck is this guy even a security guard? <laughs> he wears glasses. He has a hearing aid. Who the fuck is he going to stop? <laughs> And he, and he just all he does is like scream and like his voice sounded like it was dubbed over like in post or something because the whole time that you're in there everything he exists to tell you what's happening oh no it's boiling acid my shoes are melting <laughs> no, it's my hearing <laughs> I was like, who picked the fucking nerdiest dude imaginable to defend, like, the second bank of Gotham? <laughs> so, the, Batman, anyway, Batman, like, takes his hearing aid out because apparently that helps him, like, just reverse open the safe from the inside. Yeah, man. That's all safe crackers need is that's if you have a hearing aid, it clearly will <laughs> augment your already amazing hearing. And you can, just, you can bust open... What is supposed to be the vault? Like, the world's smallest fucking bank vault? <laughs> and then, and then uh, what's it called? When they get out of there, you know, he hooks the bat rope up to it, which the bat rope is apparently strong enough to, like, to, to pull this fucking safe back into where it came out of from the goddamn building. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? That It reminds me of that, uh, that scene. Everyone will know what I'm talking about it. Uh, in the Fast and the Furious, like five, the one where they go to Brazil. Oh yeah, and then they're and they're pulling the giant safe that is Fast Five. <laughs> that okay, so in Fast Five, it's one of those things where you just ignore safe physics because, like, <laughs> in that one they drift around a corner and it's very clear that the vault's gonna like take out a pedestrian, like gonna murder this person. <laughs> can we do Fast Five this month so that we can continue our series on safe physics? <laughs> We're going to devote an entire series to fucking movies with terrible <laughs> So after we get this annoying security guard out of the way, Batman is holding on by a chain to this chopper, which, you know, Two-Face decides it's a brilliant idea for them to run into this giant neon, like, sign that explodes. I don't know anything about chopper physics, but I could have sworn, <laughs> could have sworn a helicopter crashing into something would make it explode, but fuck it, I guess. Yeah. Oh, uh, so happy day, <laughs> Batman disappears, and the next thing you know, holy shit, for some reason, his cape is now in the windshield of this helicopter, which is, and is dangerously close to the goddamn propeller of the goddamn helicopter. So he's, like, straddling this helicopter for dear life. To which the, the fucking pilot goon tells Two-Face... Boss, there's someone on the windshield. To which Two Face responds by murdering the fucking pilot. And, and then the best part of it is that 
is that this chopper is now on a collision course with like the Gotham Statue of Liberty and the way that Two-Face escapes is he puts a fucking club steering wheel of a helicopter <laughs> okay so for, so, so for those of you who are not around the 90s like I remember my parents had this like you know, before cars had all these, like, you know, auto locks and all these, like, crazy safe features, one of an anti-theft device that you would use for your car is a club, which you, you, you would pull and it would go on your steering wheel and anyone who tried to steal your car could not do it because of this club that was on there. <laughs> it's literally a bar yeah. that <laughs> stops your steering wheel from turning. <laughs> and it's like if a, if someone went through all the trouble of breaking into your car to begin with and they saw that, they're like, oh, well, fuck me. <laughs> this stopped me from committing crimes the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, good thing, you know, Good thing, good thing you have one for your helicopter in case someone decides to come in and steal your helicopter. <laughs> yes, because if I go through all the trouble of trying to steal a military-grade helicopter, a club is going to be what stops me. So, in, in a few words, the first ten minutes of this movie are fucking wild. <laughs> yeah, it is really... And the best part of all of this is that Batman, like, fails to catch him and then we get this awful CGI shot of Gotham City, which like, oh my god. This movie came out two years after Jurassic Park. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't like CGI was that bad, but this CGI was goddamn awful. <laughs> and so we cut into this scene in Wayne Enterprises where apparently Edward Nigma like, works inside of the R&D department. At- Played by Jim Carrey. Yes, which uh, Jim Carrey, this was his decade, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people now, like, if you ask them about Jim Carrey, I don't know what their good, what their point of reference is for someone who's younger. But someone who, as as someone who was growing up in the '90s, like for me, it's Ace Ventura, it's yep. The Mask, it's Batman Forever. Jim Carrey kind of ruled the '90s. In, the Cable in, in Guy. You're thinking of the Cable Guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Cable Guy is. I'd love to watch that movie again because I think it's it's a movie that I as a younger person was just i didn't we get did, it we, we weren't gonna get it yeah no it's, yeah and i'd love to see it now because i just know that it's like it's kind of a cult favorite now <clears throat> yeah but he comes in and essentially he plays there's certain characters there's certain character actors that will play the same person in every fucking movie this was the decade where jim carrey played the same guy in literally every fucking movie <laughs> It's funny, too, because, like, Jim Carrey, like, also, there's a phase in his career later where he does do more of, like, the serious roles. Like, you know, he plays Annie Kaufman uh, in the biopic movie for him. And then, of course, I think Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is is really, I think, it's his best performance I've ever seen in a movie, especially as a non-comedy. Um so yeah, he but but you know at hey, this man, time don't at, don't don't fucking the uh, don't uh give him or don't give him shine for what's it called Kick Ass Two where he was major oh, yeah. pain or I forgot what it was stupid superhero name was <laughs> all I remember is he had a dog named Eisenhower who used to bite <laughs> criminals in the balls and that part was hilarious yeah and and he was playing the Riddler who you know I I actually really loved the Riddler from the if we're now we're talking about Batman the animated series a little bit I really loved the Riddler episodes in Batman the animated series 
when he uh, had the bowler cap and shit. Like that, yeah. that Riddler, yeah. Yeah. Who I he, love he it different. The, yeah, he was different and he was well, he was sinister in that show and he his voice was played by uh what's his name is I think John Glover is his name, the actor. Uh, oh, look it up. But go yeah. ahead, continue. But he's a, he's just a great like he's a great character actor himself. And I remember the Riddler episodes of Batman basically being where Riddler's whole mo is he's not gonna fight Batman because he's just not physically imposing, but mm-hmm. he is good at like trying to trick him. And there he was wants one to just episode prove he's smarter. Like that's his whole motivation, and, and it's fucking one, awesome. And one of the episodes of the animated series, which is one of my favorites is actually like one where Riddler sets up a virtual reality game and commissioner Gordon and Robin get stuck in it. And Batman actually has to go into VR to be able to get them out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I, you know, it's like, that's really great. But in this movie, they were just like, no, no, both the villains are just basically going to be Joker clones the entire time. Yes, (laughs) Where like their entire like existence is just like cackling and like coming up with evil ideas. Shitty jokes. (laughs) Like, I mean, the idea of the box, like, as his, like, main tool or, or, or device that he wants to push forward, it's, it's, it's a kind Joker. of interesting, but it's just... It's an offshoot of a Joker plan, though, like, yeah. especially... For, ultimately, for what the end game is, it's very shittily thought out. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, you're right. John Glover. That was his voice actor in the animated series. Yeah. And 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 he and John Glover actually plays a character in Batman and Robin, so he'll actually be in the next Schumacher movie. He's like the the scientist who like pumps Bane full of venom in that movie. So whatever. Anyway, I don't know what the point of that was. He doesn't play Jason Woodrow, right? Yeah, or he Woodrow? does. Yep. He's Jason Woodrow. Yeah. Fuck that guy. I only know him because of uh he's like in Swamp Thing. I fucking love Swamp Thing. Yeah. Um all right. So like you were talking about Edward Nigma. So he's a pretty much a mousy <laughs> scientist guy. Like we're not 100% yeah. sure what he exactly is working on. And he's uh, obsessed he, Well, it's his box. It's his VR device, right? But it's just it looks stupid. It's essentially supposed to be like it's like a blender. Yeah, like, it's a it's a blend a light bulb in it. It's a blender with a light bulb that's supposed to help you watch things in 3D. Pretty and, much you watch it in your brain, like it, it it shoots it straight in your brain. And the big problem here is that when he brings up his idea to uh Bruce Wayne, who mind you, never met the man, they have zero interaction before. He like but Nigma is a hundred percent obsessed with him and wants to be his friend and he thinks they have this long-standing relationship. Um when he tries to introduce the idea of shooting brainwaves, like they <laughs> use the word brainwaves a lot in this movie. Yeah. But when they when they start talking about having this box that shoots brainwaves at like to to try to create a personalized experience, Bruce Wayne says, Well, if you're sending brainwaves, it's really easy to kind of go into people's brains and figuring out their thoughts that's kind of an, a huge invasion of privacy and he's like that's kind of illegal man this uh, movie sure came up with some some brilliant ethical questions and i'm glad they covered it with all the seriousness of it <laughs> they really handled this like <laughs> with gravitas and grace moving forward uh, so pretty much they tell Edward Nigma that to, to shut down his project. He says, fuck you. I'm going to plan it. I'm going to do it myself. And he ends up kidnapping his boss. 
<laughs> but Eddie, yeah, he he will eventually do that. But this whole scene is interrupted because Bruce Wayne ends up looking out the window and sees the bat signal. So oh, that's right. from there we get like this awesome scene, which is still awesome to me. It's the scene of Bruce Wayne going into his office <laughs> and his chair like like opens up a trap door with a pod where he just like shoots himself back in the Wayne <laughs> He has a lot of like pneumatic tubes, like grown man sized pneumatic tubes that go through the entire <laughs> city of Gotham. It's like one of those things where it's like you definitely don't need to think about it very much because it doesn't make any fucking sense. But, but oh no, they a hundred percent knew their fucking audience in this, and they knew it was gonna be stupid, like six to twelve year olds like you and me <laughs> who were gonna fucking bitch and moan until our parents took us to watch this movie. Yeah, there's so much fucking new Batman tech in this. Uh the Batmobile is completely different uh from the eighty nine and returns. They they went for something that's a lot more there's a lot more stuff in here that look more like Giger, like like HR Giger stuff <laughs> from Alien. Yeah, and I so think weird. And I think like the Batmobile is one of them. And I also think that this like idea of this, like this pod that he's in that's sending him to Wayne Enterprise, from Wayne Enterprises to the Batcave is like that. Uh, but anyway, he, he dresses up as Batman and goes to the roof of police headquarters. Uh, but <laughs> Mr. Right. Gordon is not there. In fact, <laughs> in fact, Chase Meridian like decided to use he calls it a beeper. He said the bad signal is not a beeper for those who are watching in 2020. Oh my god! You're not gonna know. You're not gonna know what a beeper is. It's essentially like her version of sending him a "you up" text, like in the middle of the What's night. What's a big head? <laughs> <laughs> this mo- This movie really is gonna point out who's a who's a millennial and who's a fucking Gen Zer, and it's like. The Gen Zers are already roasting us super hard on TikTok, and it's like, man, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how much worse it can get. And this podcast isn't doing us much favor. <laughs> yeah, but she's literally just up there, pretty much like, <laughs> practically in fucking brawn panties. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck? Like, didn't you have to drive to police headquarters like this? Like, people, you would think that people are still inside the police station working, like. <laughs> it's hour of night and if it's someone that's not commissioner gordon that's turning on the bat signal like i mean it, it feels like one of those things that like you would have to know about and and, and does gordon live in the same building as the bat signal? <laughs> because yeah. he shows up later in his pajamas in a bathroom <laughs> he just lives at gcpd <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, so she's just... <laughs> you just gotta accept it! No, he didn't yeah. have enough time to change his uniform. He's like, fuck it. But he yeah, did. so it's just Chase, like, thirsting after Batman again. Uh, we get our, we actually get a reference to Batman Returns, where she talks about, you know, if she needs his attention, does she need skin-tight vinyl and a whip? <laughs> and I was like, yes, please. <laughs> but you know what? The idea of Chase Meridian, this... This doctor who is obsessed and attracted to, like, uh, costumed heroes is very Harley Quinn. Like, it it reminds me a lot of the Harley Quinn character, right? Mm. And any, there's a lot of, I felt like there's a lot of potential to make a really interesting story revolving around that. Having this character, like, it would be great if this become, if they were trying to play Long Con and have this become her villainous origin story. 
and she becomes a villain in the next one and somehow ties in, right? But it's like, at least it would have given her something to do. But she goes on at least three more scenes after this where all she wants to do is get the D from Batman (laughs) or Bruce Wayne. Like, she serves no purpose other than to try just to thirst. Like, that's, that's it. And it's infuriating. Yeah, so this scene is completely useless. Batman hops back into the Batmobile, and then we cut immediately back to uh, to Edward Nigma, who like his boss, who's played by Ed Begley Jr., like comes in. He <laughs> he puts the blender on his head, uh, shows then, him some fucking fishing a... channel, and, <laughs> and starts sucking his brain waves. <laughs> My favorite part is it's just them looking at each other for like ten seconds, going. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just making weird ass noises at each other. And it's um, like it, yeah. it's, it's it's yeah. It's, it's just, a stupid scene that literally does nothing but set him up to get thrown out the window at Wayne Enterprises and killed. Um whatever. <laughs> like I'm gonna be saying that a lot in this movie. It's just like there's so much in this movie that like it's the tone is off because you have our villain who's like He's actually murdering someone. So it's like, yeah, you wanted this to be a less like dark, more, you know, commercial friendly Batman movie, but for some reason you still have your villain like commit murder. <laughs> and it's like he's not only committing murder, but he's acting like a big doof while doing it. And it's like, no, it doesn't fit, you know? Like at least when Jack Nicholson and, and the Joker were committing murder, it's in line with the character, right? But the Riddler is, like you said, it's just Joker 3.0. Like, fuck, dude. Yeah. So then this movie just, it feels like a series of scenes for a long time because Yeah, a lot of it is disjointed. A lot (laughs) of it is very, like, disconnected. It's super bizarre. Yeah, like, we instantly jump from this to, like, Bruce Wayne, for some reason, now has to go see Chase Meridian, like, (laughs) At her uh, place of business. And- oh, you know why? It's because after the suicide, he gets the uh, he gets a riddle. Oh, right, the suicide, which <laughs> which a moment made concern. Goodbye, cruel world. How did I forget about the quote unquote suicide? Yeah, Nigma decides to to stage a suicide, like digitally stage a suicide using CGI. <laughs> video where he just walks and, and runs like headfirst into the glass. <laughs> I was like, this is so stupid. And, and you have like the commissioner of Gotham Police. Yep, it's definitely suicide. <laughs> Are you even gonna try to do your fucking job? Like, fuck, no wonder Batman exists in this stupid ass town. <laughs> This is worse than the hot dog squad from fucking Birds of Prey. <laughs> those meatheads with the short fucking sleeves. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, these are <laughs> like no wonder people are constantly breaking out of doing crimes all over Gotham. Yeah, so Nigma starts sending uh, riddles to Bruce Wayne, and Bruce Wayne decides to go to Chase Meridian, which I guess. Her 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 relationship to Bruce Wayne and and the Riddler seems a lot more natural than the bullshit they were doing with her and Batman and Two Face. <laughs> Suddenly, she serves a purpose, and it's yeah. like, okay, if you would have introduced her this way instead of him just hammering her into like, then have her just want to get hammered. Like, no, just <laughs> just 
fucking if they if they would have just done this shoehorned her in that way it would have been perfect and then good, good job for bruce wayne like you know thinking that she was in trouble because he heard her like making sounds and decided to blow her door down <laughs> he was either <laughs> fighting or fucking one of those two <laughs> <laughs> and uh so he could it's stupid scene my god it's just like there he's talking about you know a guy who's who's sending him riddles at his job uh, they're just they have zero chemistry with each other so the scene is just painful to go through it's interesting to see batman on the cover of time magazine <laughs> it's it's a weird it's a weird world where batman is pretty much a celebrity yeah he's just like a pop culture icon yeah. and all this is this scene literally just exists to <laughs> to uh to set up the charity circus <laughs> okay gotham city okay i haven't been to too many circuses never heard of a charity circus a like circuit. is that some is that something rich turkeys <laughs> surcise Sur- <laughs> is that a thing rich people do i'm not rich do rich people go to the circus who are you asking me for i don't fucking know i don't know just, the only circuses i had been to was like Ringling Brothers <laughs> when I was younger. I haven't even gone to like Cirque Disolet or anything. Like I've done none of that. Um, and that's pretty much what this is supposed to be, right? It's like supposed to be Cirque du Soleil. Sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, I mean that makes sense. Like, it's expensive. <laughs> There's a bunch of rich people. I know rich people don't go to Ringling Brothers. <laughs> but yeah, this is oh where we get God. introduced to the Flying Graysons who are, you know, mother, uh, father, and <laughs> they're two like ultra adults <laughs> Chris O'Donnell's like fucking 30 and he's like yeah I'm fucking 17 I should be in high school yeah so he's got like 5 o'clock shadow and bags <laughs> yeah this scene is uh, what's it called Our, the, the ringmaster gets like kidnapped and <laughs> replaced by Two-Face and, and no one notices <laughs> <laughs> he literally has a purple side of his face. How did nobody notice it until the moment that the cameras are on him and he turns around? <laughs> the entire half of the circus that is looking at him, like the left side of his face, says nothing. <laughs> this movie is ridiculous because even before this scene, like there's a t- there's like a clip where uh, where Bruce Wayne is watching gnn <laughs> and they show like how how harvey dent actually became two-faced <laughs> and then Salmaroni just... Sal like throws acid in his face but he only gets it on one side of his face because he had a piece of paper that was, that was shooting the other side of his face and then for some reason batman was fully dressed <laughs> In the bat suit. And he's like in the front row. And he just jumps over the banister. I was like, Batman, what are you going to do? Are you going to beat Sal Maroney in court? I was wondering like, if Batman was like the bailiff in the courthouse. It was so stupid because it's supposed to be played like hella dramatic. <laughs> But he just looks so goofy sitting there in full costume. <laughs> it was very Adam West. Yeah. Without that, the charisma of Adam West. You know what? That's what a lot of this movie tries to do. It tries to bring in a lot of things that are Adam West 1960s Batman. And it, it straddles just the line. 
it doesn't really pull him off though yeah is the problem it tries to walk the line of tim burton and adam west and it just doesn't do either that effectively it's (laughs) it's too goofy to be dark it's too serious to be campy Uh, another batman 66 reference in this (laughs) oh my god giant bomb (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with, the t- with like a time clock on it and uh two-faced said he's gonna blow up the entire circus <laughs> if batman doesn't come forward and uh tell everyone who he is which th- there's absolutely like no like what does two-faced stand to gain from this and what sense does it make at all like again char- if it- this character literally like all he wants is to kill batman and nothing else like, if it's the joker that makes perfect sense yes which but, Dark Knight does that. Dark Knight does it in a way that makes absolute sense. Dark Knight does Joker and Two Face way more justice than any of this does. This movie, yeah, in those few scenes that uh, that Two Face is in the Dark Knight, so it completely makes up for <laughs> Batman Forever. Yeah, I mean that's the the most disappointing thing about this is you know I think we talked about it before when we've done Batman Begins, but. One of my favorite comics is Long Halloween. And part of why I love The Dark Knight so much is The Dark Knight perfectly captures the relationship or, or partnership between Commissioner Gordon, Harvey Dent, and Batman. And they always just have worked as such a great trio. And what makes the Two-Face story all the more tragic is that he was supposed to be a hero uh, with Gordon and Batman and ends up being the one that that turns into a supervillain. Yeah. They were a power throuple and then that didn't work out. (laughs) But in this movie, yeah, it's like, there's absolutely no, no sense that he and Bruce Wayne even really know each other at all. Um, He, he has zero scenes with commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon is useless in this series. Again, um, this movie was, they, they were like just marketed to kids. Kids will know no better. Yeah. And, you know, it's and and you also got to remember a lot of those relationships that we saw, I think they develop after or, you know, it's something it's not really something that becomes super big in the mythos until like later or it's not really accepted as I don't know. I can go in super. But that's like a podcast in and of itself. It's talking about like the Batman (laughs) mythos and how it affects cinema now. (laughs) But uh, anyway. No, so, but anyway, getting back to this movie, the yeah, Flying so Graysons too- decided to try to save <laughs> <laughs> Yes, the Flying Graysons, known for their bomb-disarming expertise. <laughs> fucking Bruce Wayne. So Bruce Wayne stands up and tries to scream that he's Batman, but everyone else is screaming, so Two-Face can't hear it. <laughs> so Bruce Wayne is like, oh, the Flying Graysons are going to go disarm the bomb. Let me not help them and just beat the shit out of all the goons. Okay, yeah. it makes sense. No one questions, ever questions, why Bruce Wayne is fighting these goons and he's winning. Absolutely not. And then also nobody freaking questions, like, why the fuck the Flying Graysons have to be, why it's their problem, like, why this is their problem to solve, why Bruce Wayne doesn't just run away and, like, put his bat outfit on to, like, come back at least and try to take care of this. Uh, there's also no reason why, like, they decide to do all these bomb acrobatics when there's no net <laughs> available to catch them. But, you know, it's it's just... It, it, in the Batman comics and in the animated series, like, it, it's a setup that ends up 
killing that ends up causing the death of Dick Grayson's parents. In this one, they, they willfully sacrifice themselves for this, which is noble, but it's also just kind of fucking dumb. Yeah, because Two Face <laughs> just straight shoots the trapeze rope that they're all the three of them are all on. Oh, because, because Dick manages to like climb up with the bomb with twelve like twelve seconds left and manages it. For some reason, this like this circus is taking place in like a big metal dome, <laughs> not an actual like tent. So he yeah. just rolls it off the dome and hopes to God it lands in the water, which it does and explodes. And then we get that shot where you see like his family, they're all, in the, they all hit the floor. Um, and he's like looking down. It's like the camera's panning up towards him. And yeah, I was like, that's a, that, that's a pretty good shot. And then I'm like, uh, and, and this is where it gets a little confusing, right? Because the idea is he's a grown ass adult. <laughs> Commissioner, Commissioner Gordon wants wants this adult man to to stay with Bruce Wayne, or Bruce Wayne wants to adopt this adult. He gives him a place to stay, and then you know, like Dick actually comes to Wayne Manor, and then as soon as Commissioner Gordon leaves, Dick Grayson is like, "All right, thanks, guys. You can like, you know, he just fucking throws away the pack of cigarettes and just." Smoking. And, like, and also hopping on his motorcycle, which he's old enough to have a license for. And he's like, "Yeah, you just saved me a bunch of problems with social services." <laughs> Shut the fuck up! Is he supposed to be sixteen or something? <laughs> yeah, it's like one of those funny things where okay, I think this this is a direct result of the animated series, right? The animated series they put the character of Robin in college. And I thought it was a really awesome way to handle that character. But the reason why in the animated series it makes sense is you actually find out that Dick Grayson lives with Batman when he's much younger in that series. Mm-hmm. He moves in with him when he's like 12 or 13 years old and he isn't Robin until years later. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it's Perfectly like, handled. Perfectly handled. Yeah. And, that's, and they do it in a flashback and that's all you have to do. In this movie, they just try to do... It, they try to just like do stuff that makes no sense and hope that the movie's moving too fast for you to stop and ask questions about it. And it succeeds in that part. I was just like, there's they're just banging through these scenes so goddamn fast. I have no idea what's going on half the time. Yeah, we're halfway through the movie and we're not even sure what the point of this movie is yet. <laughs> so and so during this whole time, and this kind of where it splits off into our hero story and our villain story. Our villain story is really fucking easy. <laughs> Pretty much the plan is that Two Face and uh, Two Face and Riddler are gonna try to kill Batman. That's mission number one. But mission number two is to steal enough money, <laughs> gems, and riches from all of Gotham so that they can buy a giant brainwave emitter sell it to every sell a brain no so that he can so that so that edward nigma can buy an island that he can put this giant machine on and then sell brain boxes to everyone in gotham so that he can suck their brains dry including like animals because you see that he's also draining brains from dogs love it <laughs> the entire time they do they pull off like four heists in like a montage scene 
Batman does nothing to stop them. It's like they're just running rampant for like this entire time. Meanwhile, Edward Enigma is creating like this company where he's like he's trying to beat out uh, Wayne Industries, right? The entire time, Batman's not doing a goddamn thing. The closest we come to any interaction between Batman and the villains for like a half hour of this movie is the Batmobile car chase. Which makes absolutely no sense why There's... it's even happening. Like, there are <laughs> He's three... He's just driving on patrol! <laughs> there like, are, this... like, three or four different scenes where, like, Batman is after Two-Face for absolute... And, in like, fail and, like, gives up, like, <laughs> somewhere in the middle. So Two-Face ends up not getting caught. Like, <laughs> I really don't understand what the point of this scene was other than they just wanted to make it some sort of action scene for absolutely no fucking reason. No, the one where the Batman, the Batmobile car chase is fucking egregious. And that's because Batman gets attacked. They shoot a rocket, miss. (laughs) Two-Face succeeds in killing more of his own guys than he does Batman. So he ends up killing, like destroying a car full uh, full of his goons. And they chase him through Gotham. And they chase him down this, like, dead-end alleyway where Batman shoots a grappling hook and starts driving up the wall. And then all the goons' cars, like, end up in, like, this three-car pileup and explode, killing them all. Okay, again, as an adult, I fucking hate this scene. As a kid, I fucking loved everything about this. I wanted to get that toy of that Batmobile specifically because it drives up walls and because it shoots sideways. Like, (laughs) oh yeah, I forgot! It does drive sideways. No, the worst fucking part is Batman doesn't like, like Two-Face gets out of the car and screams. Batman doesn't even get out of the Batmobile to even try to apprehend him. He just fucking dips. It's like, like, God damn it. Like, I wonder what the fuck actually happened when he drove to the top of that building. (laughs) Well, what do I do now? How the fuck do you get yourself out of this? It was so stupid. Oh my god. So So while this know. is happening, the B plot of this is uh is Oh Dick, no, Dick you Grayson. shut the fuck up. This is very clearly the A plot. <laughs> Dick Grayson does does karate washing or like karate drying chores uh in front of Alfred, which is I awesome. love that which sets love- you up for the fact that he's gonna be able to fight villains because obviously like everything he does is some sort of karate, even though he's an acrobat. <laughs> I love that they never explain it. They never give any reason why he knows martial arts or why he's like, or, or or anything, right? They don't give any explanation. They're just like, yeah, he was just naturally good at being Robin. And it's, it's really fucking stupid. So the, the B plot that's going on, or like you were saying is, yeah, he's washing his clothes. He tries to dip several times, but they end up enticing him with food and pretty much, um, well, he tries to dip, and then all. But then he also wants to break into like, uh, to like Bruce Wayne's wine room, which apparently is the entrance of the Batcave. In this, <laughs> well, don't forget Bruce. Like, or when, whenever a rich guy tries to bribe a young man with like giving him free shit, it always like makes it like, especially right now in our climate, that was so fucking creepy. 
the way it came off where he's like, yeah, if someone just puts in work on these motorcycles, I think he could take one as payment. I was like, he's going to try to fuck him. Like, that makes it feel like he wants to fuck Dick Grayson. <laughs> but anyway, like you were saying, the whole the whole other subplot is that he's trying to break into the Batcave. And he succeeds head. by, like, flipping his way into it when, <laughs> when Alfred is caught slipping. And... uh Alfred apparently makes no attempt at trying to stop him because he ends up stealing the Batmobile. <laughs> and the only thing that he literally fucking exists for is to give call is to give Bruce Wayne a call on his like pre-Apple Apple Watch <laughs> and to tell him while he's like while he's making eyes at Chase Meridian as Bruce Wayne that his car has been stolen. My favorite part is just like he's like, no, your other car, and then like at no point does Bruce even try to say, did you even try to stop him, Alfred? Like, yeah. did you even like like that's the part I don't get. He's just like like they even show the scene where Alfred turns around to like acknowledge Dick Grayson's there, but so that implies that he was like, I'm gonna steal the car, and Alfred was like, okay. <laughs> go ahead do it whatever you want what i do love about this scene though is that we end up uh <laughs> we end up seeing what the gangs of gotham city look like when you see uh, dick driving through the streets of gotham at night and that's that they are neon gangs <laughs> neon gangs and no karate <laughs> so i love i love uh batman uh the dark knight returns everyone knows that that's yes. my favorite version of batman and this does give off very mutant vibes. For sure. In the sense that it's the neon and the goofy looking. And and so I'm a, I'm a sucker for this shit. I'm always a sucker for like dystopian looking gangs of Gotham. But I was just like, okay, they, like this is kind of cool. And then and, they immediately kill it. <laughs> well, the funny thing is that this, this, this concept actually comes back in Batman and Robin. And it's like one of the only things about Batman and Robin that I like. Mm-hmm. To the point where in that movie, they even have a gang that looks like the Droogs from uh, from the... Uh, a Clockwork Orange? Yeah, from Clockwork Orange. <laughs> <laughs> it's like these gangs are from the fucking Warriors. Like, they just pick a theme and run with it. Which I'm down with. It's like, if you want to show me this, like, alternate universe Gotham City, or, like, this Blade Runner Gotham, like, I'm absolutely fine with that uh this is a pretty good action scene i actually do like it where uh where dick it's cool until val kilmer comes back (laughs) yeah dick ends up like saving a woman who god knows what the fuck they're gonna do with her (laughs) you know my favorite part about that is that he kicks the shit out of like a bunch of the 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 like these gang members and then she's like, wait, doesn't the hero get to kiss the the damsel in distress and they make out (laughs) and And then they play like this whimsical, like romantic music too, and and but this is this is the scene where where Dick Grayson actually goes full Lost Boys, like with his attire. <laughs> like, oh he yeah! Looks, if you see Jason Patrick in Lost Boys, like that is what he is in this scene. And I love the fact that immediately after making out with this girl, they he gets bum rushed by like forty dudes. <laughs> <laughs> and and Lost Boys too. Like, I mean, that that movie is about teen gangs, I guess, and. And just, you know, you Schumacher. Know, yeah, Schumacher knows how to make these like interesting, cool-looking like 
kid gang so i'm fine with that uh, i do actually love the scene of like bruce wayne jumping off the building like <laughs> in this scene with the neon everywhere you mean very clearly like hoisted up with a uh <laughs> with like a repelling rope or some shit yeah. or like a zip line that's what i'm looking for yeah i one of the things i did appreciate about this movie though is that this really was the first time on film that you watch like batman jump off buildings yeah like, and it's it, really we, cool like yeah, they, it really does deposit a, how much he uses the cape. Like, there's more than just for looks. Like, he uses it to glide and shit in this movie. Yeah, which doesn't really make sense in this, but whatever. Shut up! <laughs> you shut your goddamn mouth. I'm fine with it. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up Dick. So the the gang members run away. Dick sees Batman and immediately starts attacking him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like when when a, a it's funny son... too because he was beating the shit out of all these gang members but instantly like when he like fights batman it like has no effect on him whatsoever <laughs> my favorite part is it, this scene the end part of this scene completely deposits that to me anyway that dick grayson does not know batman is bruce wayne like their interaction is super weird. No, no, no. He he knows he's Bruce Wayne. No, but because... the the line he says is, "If you hadn't shown up the day, or if you had shown up the 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 day Bru- Two Face took the took over the circus, my family would still be alive." No, I think he said. I think he said it's your fault. Uh, you should have been there um, if you would have told Two Face who you were at the circus. Like that's. That's what he says. No, that's not the way I heard it, but I also wasn't paying attention to much. <laughs> but the way I heard it was it sounded like he was it, it sounded like it was out of place. It honest the scene sounded like it was out of place to me. I don't know. Well, this is, what doesn't make any sense is that when he first goes into the Batcave, you get no feeling that he's like instantly angry because he knows that Bruce Wayne is bad. No, he just steals his car. This you is the been... scene where he's dealing with more of the angst of that. No, you know what would have been cool? It would I would have made this scene a lot better is if he would have gotten like stolen a bottle of wine, got drunk, and then started driving the Batmobile. <laughs> That's what would have made this scene so much better, and then it would have explained why he couldn't fight Batman because he was drunk <laughs> as shit. Yeah. So, and this, I guess, this is where the movie goes off the rails because there was a redemption. Oh, yes, this is where. <laughs> okay, the movie's, been off the, the movie's been off the rails, but I mean, this is the portion of the movie where it, it feels most notably like something is missing, and that's the Red Book subplot, right? Which is the subplot that, uh, that Bruce Wayne had uh, found his dad's Red Book, which is a journal. And in that, mm-hmm. in that journal, uh, Bruce Wayne's uh, Thomas Wayne actually ends up saying that he didn't want to go to the theater the night that they get killed and that they just did it for Bruce Wayne. And Bruce like ends up feeling like immense guilt over that. And he's having dreams about it. Like it's, it's one of those things where it's like, they want to go back to the origin story in some ways, but at the we same time, we don't get that time, at all. We but at the, yeah. At the at same all. time, at the same time, this movie is, it's not that interested in doing that and it would much rather do like 50 other things at the same time. So this, this subplot gets none of the attention it deserves for some reason. At some point in the film, Bruce Wayne decides to give up being Batman, like completely unprompted. Like, do you, do you feel like it was justified at all that he, no, for some reason he was just, 
pretty much Dick Grayson was like, I'm going to be your partner now. And he goes, well, you can't be my partner if I quit being Batman. <laughs> when I was in high school, I used to make a joke about the Raimi Spider-Man movies, like where I used to say, yeah, I, yeah, one of the things I don't like about that movie is that like, it's literally him wanting to stop being Spider-Man every five minutes for no reason. Whereas like this movie is actually the manifestation of like him not wanting to be Batman for absolutely no reason at all. I would rather have Sam Raimi where Peter Parker doesn't want to be Spider-Man because at least it makes sense every five minutes than have, have fucking Bruce Wayne love be Batman for half the movie and then all of a sudden be like, Batman, no more. <laughs> it was so it was just like okay this is all done <laughs> shut it down it, it's even worse because it barely lasts any time at all like <laughs> it lasts maybe like a scene or two but then like soon after that uh dick grayson actually ends up leaving uh he he leaves with his robin costume which was like all he really did for his uh, Robin costume version one was wear his circus costume with the eye mask. <laughs> yeah, he has the Kato mask on and he still wears that. It looks like it's two sizes too small. That fucking, <laughs> that fucking little boy costume he wears. For uh, Bruce Wayne has absolutely no idea where this grown adult man is because he doesn't care about him at all. <laughs> Like, but he wants to adopt him. Like they, they have very few scenes together at all. Like, does Bruce Wayne even really like? Does he just want like tax breaks, like for taking this guy in, or the, or what's the deal? But he the is, deal he, is he's trying to fuck Chase Meridian. <laughs> that's exactly what he's trying to do. He's trying to get super bat hard with her. Um, the only scene where they like kind of looked like they even really wanted to be around each other, uh, Dick and Bruce is the Ritz Gotham scene <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> where they're where they're I guess Edward Nigma instantly goes from just like this Wayne Enterprises employee that like nobody ever heard of to nobody asks why he's so rich overnight <laughs> and where yeah, he got just, and where, where he got did you all get the capital riches? like where did he get the capital to start his own company? <laughs> no one thought, hey you're suddenly rich and starting your own company that's kicking the shit out of Wayne Industries. At the same time, there's a massive crime wave, which for some reason, the GCPD nor our Cape Crusader has done anything to prevent. Well, he was smart enough in that when he's Riddler, <laughs> his hair is a completely different color for no, reasons you know, unknown. <laughs> you know what my favorite part about this entire scene is? Is that, and this is, a, this is, is one of my favorite things of this movie, Edward Nigma's like completely looks like bruce wayne like in this entire scene he like he you, oh you it's purposeful he, too yeah yeah it's completely purposeful because he dyes his hair he has the same haircut he wears the same <laughs> tuxedo and my favorite part is when he sees bruce wayne puts on glasses <laughs> yeah. he puts glasses on too <laughs> he's such a fucking internet troll i love him yeah and you know he sucks bruce wayne's knowledge out of his brain and that's how he finds out that he's batman um in in the original four movies i feel like everyone finds out that bruce wayne is batman <laughs> it's like he he didn't even put the bat signal up it's just the silhouette of bruce wayne <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, it was fantastic about this is <laughs> that for no reason at all fucking jo- not joker two-face just rolls up to this party with his goons and just makes fucking shit up <laughs> 
<laughs> makes absolutely no sense because if the idea was that they wanted to get together and like create this plan to take over the city, like why would you sabotage like Enigma's party? <laughs> Fuck you, shut up. I'm the Joker. I mean, Two Face. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did, this is my favorite action scene of the movie, though. Yeah, because it's just like the action scene from The Dark Knight, where the Joker does the exact same thing. Yeah, I mean, superhero movies, like, it's a trope. Parties, uh, these, like, high society parties in superhero movies are a trope that just have been around for as long as the genre has existed. Um, But I definitely like the, again, this movie at least gets the action scenes right, or some of them, um, even though they don't make any sense as to why they're happening. Uh, Bruce no, Wayne mean- like learned from the circus because he's able to jump out the window and slide down these poles <laughs> to put on his outfit like in the car like he on actually the carries the costume with him yeah so like okay uh, Robin also has his Robin version 1.0 costume uh, <laughs> the best scene after this entire fight is Chase like has to stop in to tell him how horny she is and to go meet her <laughs> so that they can yeah, screw she, after this is over. Yeah, she like mouth fucks him in the middle of this fight. <laughs> <laughs> so for some reason all of Two Face's goons, like their stage two is running up to the roof. <laughs> And then also like being at the bottom, like or or at least like running out of the building. And Bruce Wayne's idea to get out of this building is to go all the way to the top and like dive off of this giant building. <laughs> so again, <laughs> my favorite part. I do again. I do actually like the dive in this. It's the. It it's looks way cool. better CGI than than the earlier stuff. So I, I can go with it. <laughs> and they they they're really smart. The C, they don't focus on the little details. They just get the massive shape. They zoom out just enough so you can't really pick apart how bad it looks. It's it was, funny it was enough. Very well done. It was the well one done. thing we haven't talked about yet in this movie too is that besides Tim Burton and Michael Keaton, one of the original like you know people, the artists from the original Batman films, is Danny Elfman's no longer here, and his music was completely replaced by Elliot Goldenthal. Mm-hmm. And it, we talked about Val Kilmer, but uh, Elliot Goldenthal also does the music for Heat which is very different from the music in this. I thought that this Batman theme was way too brassy and highly annoying in parts. Oh yeah, it was just super fucking obnoxious. Especially since, you know, Danny Elfman's like Batman theme is like so iconic that it's just like this this other thing just felt, I don't know, I'm not crazy about it. And it's just it's funny too cuz like Batman themes are just like we get a new Batman theme with every new Batman now. <laughs> Cause we even got the new one with the, with the Robert Pattinson movie that's going to come out that from Michael Giacomo, which is very different too. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting to hear the different versions of it, but yeah, it, it was too brassy. It was too loud. It was too obnoxious. And it just like, it like raped my senses. Just like, just like this, like the neon everywhere else did that too. It's, it's just face fucking you the entire time. <laughs> it like, yeah. This movie literally just tries to assault you in like any way possible. <laughs> it somehow offends every sense you have. <laughs> so he actually ends up jumping off this building, slides down a tube into some underground tunnel. A tube that the that the fucking two-faced goons have set up just for this occasion. And then he also just like there's a giant like 
there's a giant wheel that you can turn that shoots gas down here. <laughs> yeah, because dangerous gas is always in the bottom of the, of the sewers, right? Nothing like a bad case of gas. <laughs> so Two-Face just starts shooting at Batman. Batman has this really cool thing, which I don't know if it ever comes back, where it makes where he like covers himself with his cape and pushes a button and it turns fucking metallic. You know what's funny? This this ability actually comes back like one other Batman movie after that, and that's Batman versus Superman. <laughs> they actually bring back like the cape that's fire resistant. <laughs> oh, when he saves uh when he Martha. saves Martha. <laughs> oh my god. Have we reviewed that yet? No. We never will. No, nah, we can spend another five hours on that one too. We can. I can spend five hours just on the fucking warehouse fight scene, which is the best. That, that was the best Batman movie I've ever seen. Oh god! So, uh, you know, they end up exploding the entire fucking sewer. Yeah. So anyway, Gotham's entire sewer system blows up. And then uh, the two. That should be the main villain plot. <laughs> Oh, that was the main villain plot in Batman Begins. <laughs> so, Two Face and his goons leave Batman to die. Um, you know, Robin comes in, saves him, and I guess this reignites Batman to or Bruce Wayne to keep being Batman after he didn't want to be Batman. Uh, at midnight, he goes and he confronts. Uh, Ah, fuck, I forgot her name. Chase, whatever her last name. Chase Meridian. Yeah, same shit. <laughs> so he goes and talks to her, and then she, fucking poor Batman, poor Bruce Wayne. She's just stringing them both along. Like, <laughs> Bruce Wayne's the ultimate simp, okay? He's been like, he tries to hit on her as Bruce Wayne, and she's like, I met somebody. And then when he tries as Batman, she's like, eh, I met somebody again. <laughs> My favorite part is he turns around and she's like, oh no, I love Bruce Wayne. And then he just has the big shit-eating grin. Yeah, I even used that picture like in, as a meme on her IG page because it's just the most, it's the most it's, ridiculous thing to see Val Kilmer smile in the bad suit. I fucking hate this movie so much. <laughs> so eventually Chase Meridian goes to... Um, Wayne Manor. Out, yeah, she goes. She goes to Wayne Manor, and she's having a night with Bruce Wayne. When uh, Two Face and Riddler decide to break into Wayne Manor, and they already know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, so they come in with the explicit purpose of getting into the Batcave and blowing it up. Mind you, this is Halloween, so it's Halloween night, and <laughs> Alfred's dumbass. So Alfred's quick old tweet. <laughs> It's like, no, please don't. It's like as soon as he opens the door, fucking Riddler and Two-Face disguise themselves as trick-or-treaters and force their way into the house, beat the shit out of Alfred. Or they beat Alfred so that, and the goons like take him to the side and then they start attacking Bruce Wayne and uh, Chase Meridian. Uh, Riddler goes down into the Batcave and just starts blowing everything up. <laughs> they don't kill bruce they shoot him they shoot him in the shoulder they shoot him in the head (laughs) 
Look at the head. I finally shot him in the shoulder. Yeah, and remember that thing we talked about where uh, where Two Face can only do what his coin tells him to do? Yep. Bullshit. Because in this scene, he's sitting down in the couch in Wayne Manor, literally flipping the coin over and over and over and over again, just so that he can get the evil side and shoot Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it was so stupid. Like it's such a betrayal of the character. <laughs> It's so terrible. So they end up shooting him. He tries to kill right as he's about to kill him. Riddler stops him and tells him, Well, if you kill him, he's never gonna learn anything. And so they kidnap Chase Meridian. Right, because Riddler's master plan to show Bruce Wayne that he's smarter than him is to help Batman find him so that he can stop him. Like try (laughs) he can try to stop him. (laughs) So he ends up uh, he ends up leaving him there. Uh, when, finally, when he get, regains consciousness, they take care of him. He's he's good to go. They're uh, Robin and well, uh, Dick Grayson and Bruce. Pretty much take they they suit up right. So they suit up and we're ready for a big final confrontation with our villains. And we get to see the oh before uh, we get there. Okay, there is a way that this movie could have been worse than it is now. And oh, that shut is, the fuck up. And that is if it was longer, because in the longer cut of this film that was rejected, there was a subplot following this scene where when Bruce Wayne wakes up, he actually has amnesia and doesn't remember oh that he's Batman. Fuck. <laughs> oh my fuck. And if you go on YouTube, you'll actually see, you'll actually see, um, you'll actually see like this scene of Bruce Wayne, like going into this cave behind, uh, behind wherever his like Batman tools are. For some reason, it's like this secret corner of the cave where he just sits there and he sees this giant animatronic like monster bat that shows up. And for some reason he like holds its hand and, and then that's when he comes out of the cave and looks at Alfred and says, I'm Batman, Alfred. <laughs> I swear to God, I would fucking shoot myself. I would shoot myself if I saw that scene while I was watching this movie. <laughs> so wait, he walked past the Bat Cave, the actual Bat Cave. Yes. Who, and doesn't know he's Batman. But he walks through the bat cave <laughs> to see a giant fucking bat. <laughs> I fucking hate this movie, dude. <laughs> oh my god. So we finally get to see the new uh, 2.0 suits, right? So for some reason, Batman's suit is like, it has like a weird silver tone to it. <laughs> when I was a kid, I loved the suit. As an it's, adult, I hate the suit. <laughs> I, I'm a fucking Raider fan. And I hate that it has like Raider scheme to it. It's like, it's, it looks it's like offensive it should, to my sense of sight. <laughs> it's like metallic silver. <laughs> and it's kind of annoying because at the same time is where you get the introduction of Robin. Uh, Alfred, I guess, ran out in the middle of the night and ended up fighting Dick Grayson and had enough time to tailor a suit for him. <laughs> so stupid. And so now that the Batmobile is gone... Oh, yeah, and then we get story. your favorite scene, right? Where Batman actually looks at the Robin costume. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I forgot about that. So then, yeah, he gets to see the suit and he's, he's the emblem that has R on it. And he's like, R, 
<laughs> to which to which Dick Grayson says, "Yeah, for Robin." And then he looks back at fucking he looks back at what's his name at, at Alfred, and I'm just like, "What does Alfred have anything to do with this?" Well, Alfred and, and Dick Grayson actually do have that scene where 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 conveniently uh, Dick tells Alfred the story of like how apparently he saved his brother one time from falling and dying. So they've been doing dangerous stunts forever. And that apparently the one day that he almost saved his brother, that his mom said, you jumped in like a Robin. That's so stupid. (laughs) And also he has a Robin motorcycle helmet. (laughs) I was telling Angel that my, like, for some reason, Val Kilmer Batman really makes me think of uh, Pete Holmes Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Like, as soon as, like, Val Kilmer says R, I was thinking, R, what does that stand for? Really fucking stupid. <laughs> like, it made me think, like, when he's roasting Superman in the Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yeah, when he says, S, what does that stand for? It stands for hope. Hope starts with an H, stupid. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, miss. Is your porridge too cold? <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm done roasting Superman. Uh, I think I think that this movie is literally the most you and I have laughed on a podcast episode before. Oh my god, <laughs> that just goes to show you now people need to watch that just because of how much we've laughed. Well, good thing Robin is old enough to drive a goddamn boat. I mean, <laughs> because, because now, we, now I mean, why would he? He's thirty. Like. Now that the Batmobile has been exploded, he needs like new vehicles. So he gets a Bat boat, and the Bat wing <laughs> makes a comeback from the original movie, but it looks more like essentially just the Batmobile with wings on it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It still has a weird Geiger design. And yeah, just with wings. My favorite part is that he's like, oh, well, how will you attack? By air or by sea? And then uh, Robin says, well, how about both, right? Yeah. It's like, one- it's like, you know what? Like, this guy this guy may have never driven a boat before. Like, like you're taking a big risk that he doesn't just, like, crash into the side of a tunnel and kill himself. Like, Honestly, it's a, he it's even a good leaves idea. the cave. I mean, it was a good idea to give him the boat and not the jet. Imagine him trying to lift off and just <laughs> crashes into the ceiling. Well, I mean, you know, you could just put, like, a club on it and put it in the autopilot. You know what the worst part <laughs> You know what the worst part is? Is that the Batwing gets fucking destroyed in their assault on the fucking Enigma Island, and it turns into a boat anyway? So I'm like, what was the fucking point? I'm not gonna let you hate on this too hard, because the best fucking toy that came... Like, I had so many toys from this movie, and in my childhood, one of my favorite fucking toys that I had from this movie was a Batmobile that actually uh, you could take it apart and you can replace it with the pieces that turn it into the bat boat. And you can also put wings on it to make it the bat wing. <laughs> I remember that. I remember you had that toy. Because and I'm my like... favorite thing that I could do with that toy <laughs> was I would leave the bat boat portion of it on. And I would just put the wings on. And it was just this ungodly flying monstrosity. <laughs> oh, no. You can attack us from land and sea. <laughs> Um, I remember that toy. I remember being like, man, the moment Angel puts that shit down, I'm going to steal this. <laughs> oh, yeah. God. So they end up <laughs> so they end up trying to launch this assault on the Enigma Island. 
you know, as we imagined, it, they, it, their their vehicles end up getting destroyed by uh, Two Face and Riddler. And, <laughs> uh, I, I blanked on our villains. Holy fuck! <laughs> Who they are playing battles? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're fucking playing Battleship, and that's their defense grid. So they set off these bombs, they destroy the boat, and they manage to take down the the Batwing. Yeah, so is Riddler still sucking, like, Bruce Wayne's brain? Like, how does he know that they're, like, going to assault them right now? (laughs) No, he's just... That's the worst part, is he's just shooting completely randomly. Like, I'm assuming, yeah, there's... I don't know, radar or some shit. Yeah, the bombs blow up the bad boat. The uh, the don't, giant blender blows up the bat wing. <laughs> don't forget that Dick Grayson gets attacked underwater by goons. <laughs> underwater goons. <laughs> Under, ooh, that means they were just chilling there probably all night in scuba suits waiting for them to attack. <laughs> and the then, best part is like Batman like captures all of them in a net and just like chains them to a buoy like and you're just like nobody's gonna find them there and they're probably eventually gonna die (laughs) (laughs) don't you fucking forget that batman shot himself out of a tube (laughs) yeah that's great oh my god so this is this is like kind of the stuff that like this is like worst james bond movies that we've seen kind of stuff right now that's a good way of putting it this is fucking like this is moonraker action this is the (laughs) so they managed to get on the they get on the island to which robin responds holy was it holy metal island or something right it's like yeah. a total joke on 60s Batman, which Batman was responds with, what? <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, yeah, you know, it's holy because there's a bunch of holes on this rusty island. Uh, uh, I was like, this is so fucking cringy, holy shit. <laughs> and then the island separates, so Bruce Wayne, so Batman and Robin actually get, they, they just got together, they're now separated. Uh, <laughs> Manage... <laughs> So Robin ends up confronting Two-Face where he starts beating the shit out of him but and you know he ends up almost throwing him off the raised platform to which uh Two-Face says I'll see you in hell. And he goes no I'd rather see you in a jail cell. So he saves or he saves Two-Face and then Two Face immediately pulls a gun out. When did this happen, by the way? That like Robin, like he spent his whole time thinking he wanted to murder Two Face and get his chance, and now all of a sudden, I'd rather see you in jail. It was like a couple of talks where he was like, where he's talking to, to Bruce, and Bruce was like, "Yeah." So he goes, oh, "What happens if I let you go kill? Uh, I go let you go kill." Uh, Two Face. He goes, "What about the next one?" And then you're gonna want to kill the next one. And all, and he goes, "All you'll do is ever have pain. You'll never fill that void." And I'm like, "Nah, I'm pretty sure he would have been fine if we just killed Two Face. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that's not how it would work." So he ends up all of a sudden he has this change of heart and he wants to be this hero that puts people in jail. That immediately backfires and they end up capturing Robin. So Batman confronts Riddler. And then we get our ultimate like showdown of the movie, right? And uh, it's supposed to be a battle of wits. And for some reason, Riddler looks like Sigourney Weaver in Ghostbusters. <laughs> he 
he's sitting on this throne where it's like two dudes are fucking taking a knee on either <laughs> side of his legs. No Riddler, only Zool. <laughs> and then so he's wearing like this white leotard and it's super fucking goofy looking. Yeah, he's gone full like Frank Gorson from like 60s Batman at this point. He's just cackling in a tight suit and running around with his cane and and just <laughs> going all over the place. He turns this final battle of wits into a game show like bit <laughs> where he wants to like shoot Chase and Robin like down this like shaft <laughs> and have them get, get killed and the jagged rocks and water that are down there for some reason. And, what is it with uh, them in water? Them just dropping people into water in this movie? And they don't, and they don't, like, you know, like, Riddler doesn't really think about what Batman's gonna do. Batman's suit, the reason why he gets his upgraded suit is because apparently he, he made himself a sonar suit. <laughs> which, he, do, he does which, not use sonar in this scene. Exactly. What is the point of this? Like, the sonar suit does absolutely nothing except, like, he gets those weird like things in front of his eyes that he apparently needs before he throws a battering. <laughs> and <It> like, was... <laughs> like we do, we see Sonar later and they do it a million times better in Dark Knight. But for some reason, this suit existed because of some unneeded Sonar that he needs to throw this giant metal battering that just blows up the giant blender. And the giant blender is essentially like the one spot on the Death Star because it blows everything up and kills, ends up like nuking Riddler's brain. <laughs> I like how we refuse to call it what it's actually called because we don't know and we just call it the giant blender. <laughs> <laughs> so my favorite part about this is it nukes it nukes his brain, right? And ends up both Robin and chase kind of falling and before they can uh land on the rocks uh <laughs> batman manages to save them both by shooting them with grappling hooks and holding them yes so somehow i forget how but two-face ends up landing he ends up <laughs> falling with them and lands like on a platform <laughs> Yes, and at that point, so so Bruce Wayne spends the entire time telling Dick Grayson why he doesn't want to kill Two-Face and why it's not going to do anything for him except make things worse. So mm-hmm. he proceeds to make things worse by throwing a ton of coins, and we've already established that Two-Face like doesn't need the coins to make bad decisions, but for some reason, he's now he like is so obsessed with this coin that he ends up jumping to his doom. <laughs> Suddenly, Harvey Dent takes over. The only time we've ever seen Harvey Dent this entire movie is when Batman tells him, hey, shouldn't you use the coin as a true method to give out justice? Oh, and then I love, like, the completely ignored line of, Bruce, you've always been a good friend. (laughs) And then he's like, where? What? That was like, is there an entire subplot we didn't get here? And uh, he's like completely calm, cool, and collected. And he goes, yo, yeah, you've always been a good friend. And you're right. And when he tries to flip it, that's when they throw the coins. Like, it was like, if I were dick, I would be so furious because you spent the entire movie being told how murder is bad. <laughs> only for Batman to actively murder his guy. <laughs> so this is only- very Pete Holmes Batman, actually. <laughs> 
so not only does he take away satisfaction of, from this kid that all he wants to do is so he can move on with his life is kill the guy that's responsible for killing his family, he then like betrays his own ideal of not killing villains. <laughs> so they end up uh, they end up taking Edward Nigma to Arkham, where we find out he he claims to know the identity of Batman, and when Chase Meridian comes and confronts him. He, we see a crazy Jim Carrey dressed in like, you know, inmate gear. And he's like, I'm Batman. Yes. And he's just jumping around, flailing his arms like they're fucking bat wings. And that's it. That is that's literally it. it for him. And the movie ends with another awkward scene with Chase and Bruce that like nobody cares about. And then you get the final scene of like Batman and Robin running <laughs> running towards the bat signal. <laughs> I hate the, it makes zero sense. I fucking hate those shots. Like I hate those shots. And you know someone was creaming their pants when they were making these movies and being like, "Oh, this is it. This is the great ending." And I'm like, "No, fuck off." Like, god damn it. Um before we actually get to our final thoughts on this, I did want to I did want to sidebar just for a second. Um we'd said a lot of things about this movie. One thing I love about this movie to this day is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is so 90s <laughs> and it really is like one of the best um I think movie soundtracks I've ever heard still. Kiss uh, from a Rose baby. Good Kiss old from a Rose. Seal. Yeah, Kiss from a Rose by Seal. Uh you get the Riddler song from Method Man, uh Where Are They Now But Where Are You Now by Brandy. Uh Nick Mick, Mick K was it like there's a lot of like different artists the offspring the uh, U2's <laughs> on the U2's, U2's on it yeah hold me yeah. kill me kiss me kill me Lots it, of it's, it's, a, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good CD and definitely worth checking out um, if nothing else but anyway now that I've gotten through that <laughs> also I mean if we're going to talk about some saving graces the, the action was good it felt like they uh, well the fights were good. <laughs> not necessarily all the action but they were, it's like they learned their lesson and gave uh, Val Kilmer a good suit that, or if it was a stunt double, whoever, but he, they had a suit he could actually move in. And it looked like it definitely looked a lot more comfortable being able like to move in the fight scenes. It was more than just Michael Keaton throwing punches. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Right. And then, you- um, yeah, what's up? Do you like Batman forever? Fuck no, I do not <laughs> like Batman forever. We can fucking oh my! I I I regretted watching this movie. I I paid three ninety nine to fucking watch this movie. I feel fucking robbed, dude. This movie was suck. I, mean, I bought I bought this movie on like three different platforms. So. <laughs> Holy fucking shit! Are you serious? <laughs> um, I will say straight up right now, I I only like this movie because I thought it was so bad and parts of it made me laugh. And just talking about this with you, I think this is really the most I've laughed on a show before. <laughs> but no, I could not recommend this to anybody now. I think especially with the Nolan Batman movies. We did 89 last year. 89 is still worth watching. And I still recommend that anybody goes back and watches it and listen to that episode. Uh, hopefully we do do Batman Returns one day. I still think that's a really great movie, despite the fact that, like we said before, it's not a Batman movie. Uh, Batman and Robin, 
skip it. Don't ever go back to it. <laughs> this no, movie, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> this movie, as much as like, <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, if we did Batman Robin, maybe we'd probably like laugh even more than we did in this film. <laughs> you watch Batman Forever and Batman and Robin with the same way that people love The Room. You watch it because it's yeah. so bad and good. <laughs> But I think the other thing, too, that I noticed watching it, and I mentioned it earlier, what I noticed watching the movie this time is that I really was betrayed by my memory because I remember it being, I remember it being at least as good as Batman 89. <laughs> Boy, howdy. Uh, I mean, you, I thought you learned when we watched Drive that you can't fucking trust your memory. You made up an entire other movie. <laughs> God damn it. What? Um, like, why? Why would you still trust your memory? <laughs> okay, well, yeah, I mean, there it is. Check That's it out. That's Batman yeah. Forever. <laughs> Check it out at your own fucking peril, you guys. Like, um, Yeah, the, thanks for, thanks for uh, tuning into this episode of the show. Uh, next week, we actually do want to jump. I think we talked about earlier how, you know, horror movies, like we were into horror movies and stuff like that. It's nice after some of the deeper content that we've done the last few weeks that we've got to watch something that's so just off the wall ridiculous. But I'm also excited about next week because next week we're going to be watching Hereditary. And uh, Javi... Fuck, I forgot about that. I Javi forgot about the schedule. A, Javi has spent a ton of time telling me uh, what he thinks of the movie Hereditary. And, you know, just it, it's, it's widely accepted as a really great like horror movie of this last decade. And I'm going to disclose, if I haven't already on this show, I haven't watched it yet. And I am very much looking forward to watching this movie for the first time and talking about it next week after having seen it for the very first time. I'm going to rewatch this movie and I will not sleep in the dark for the next week. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, continue interacting with us on social media and please leave reviews on iTunes if you can. Um, I appreciate that a lot more people are finding us on Spotify now. So I definitely, whatever platform works for you, that's where you can listen to the show. Uh, we appreciate the, you know, the, the, the following that we're getting back after being gone for a while. And uh, we hope to talk to you guys again next week. Yep. And, oh yeah. Just remember on Spotify, just, we have a backlog, just let it play. You guys are at work. You know what? You don't even have to listen to it. Just let it play for hours on end. Or guess what? All those plays, we're man. all at home, not doing anything for at least much of us at some points in our time, like of the day. So yes, please go back and listen to it. Love yeah. us. Please, please be our friends. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Later. <laughs>